Welcome to episode 713 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 713 of I Am Talk with Coach John Usman, Bevan James Oz. How you going? Week two of the lockdown, mate. Pretty good, pretty good in the hood. Pretty good. We're gangster in Christchurch, I tell you. We are gangster. That's right. When people would see John and I, they go, geez, these guys, these gangsters, don't mess with these two. I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Generation You Can. Great sports nutrition that gives you long-lasting energy without the spike and crash of sugar. John, we've also got our patrons. Mark the Unpredictable Wiltshire. We've got Brian Funny Guy Fallon. And Adrian Fui Moy. This week, guys, not much news, but we've got a little, we've got a couple of pieces of news, so that's exciting. We've got a hot topic of the week. Interview, Coach's Corner, Winger of the Week. Who's the interview with Jombo? The interview this week, we're going to be talking about a research study that was done fairly recently, and we're going to be talking with Patrick Davitt and sort of the effects of a single serve uh, of slow absorption carbohydrate source on fuel utilization and performance in response to a sustained submaximal endurance run. <laughs> so I, I read the notes, Sean. It is pretty thorough. <laughs> yeah, it's very thorough. Okay, so let's get into it. We've got news, and it's not a huge amount of news, but the one thing was that Iron Man did launch their virtual reality events. Uh, I, I kind of they didn't do a very good job of describing it, John. Like I, they, well, they sent us the PR release. Now, admittedly, I did twenty seconds of research, so I put a lot of effort into it. But I'm just, you know, just kind of curious to see. They could, probably could have done a better job, or maybe I just didn't look hard enough. Yeah, bit of bit of both. I, I agree with with what you're saying. Um, if you did delve into it, it was kind of yeah, it, it wasn't really an event as such. It was more of a challenge. And so what I say to everybody, if you did do the the, the event at the weekend or the challenge, don't even bother looking at the results because this this is why this is not really going to work as such. Because I think I saw some guy that rode one hour thirty five for the ninety kilometres, uh. an age grouper, um, and so the results don't really mean anything. The way that I looked at it, it was a challenge of going and doing a half Ironman. Now the way I did it, because uh, I did do it, was to do it as a half Ironman. So I did a the, did the five k run, did the ninety k bike, and then did the twenty one k run. Um, others, you know, you could spread over the whole weekend uh so it wasn't really a race as such it was more Just go out there and and get it done and in that regard i think it's fantastic because there's no way in hell i would have probably done a half iron man last weekend but i thought bugger it i'm just going to go out there and get in the spirit of it and do it and i'm um, a couple of days later and i'm still paying the price for that bevan well explain to me a few things so first of all you what's the process you sign up what, what do you once you've done it do you get some reward like i because i know they sent a pr release saying that they had over thirty thousand people do it or sign up for it at least mm. so good buy-in but i'm just kind of curious of the experience not just in your training yeah so for those that have done it this is going to be pretty you know 
you know what you're doing. But for those that haven't, it's really simple. You just go in and sign in up via ironman.com and then you need to just link your uh, Strava account or your Garmin account and then that uh, information that you upload there then just gets transferred across and then you do actually need to enter the event as well. You don't just can't just complete it and then it will match up once you've done the workouts and say congratulations, you've done that and I haven't actually looked. I think you get a certificate or something like that in there uh, and then you do re- you know, accrue points and all that sort of stuff as well. And they also do have um, sort of challenges set by the coaches um, as well that you can do during the week. So, you know, there's lots of people that are going to be poo-pooing this going, it's not fair, it's not fair. You know, people are on treadmills, people are running outside, yeah. people have got smart trainers, people haven't. Just chill out and uh, and just take it as it is, as, as a challenge to yourself and compare yourself to yourself rather than others. Yeah, totally. So it's just, it's, Really, fundamentally, it's just keeping the community doing something cool through this time. At the moment, um, where it will go to in the future is then then there will be some virtual races where you do race on on uh, the app called Ruby, which I'll talk about later in the show. So it will move towards that racing model, but it's still it won't be accurate um, because people will be running on treadmills, people will be running and outside. Be some dickheads who cheat. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like there, there is going to be those, those ones who think they're a legend by cheating. It, it, so in theory, last weekend, if you wanted to, you could go and create your own course and whatever app you choose, and you could choose to run downhill for a uh, ride downhill for ninety kilometres, and that's perfectly fine because you've completed the distance. So yeah. again, don't look at the results. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but but again, it's something that happened. But one thing they did have is they had a pro race where they had four men and four females taking it out on using the Ruby app. Uh, tell me about it, John. I know Langer won it and McCauley won it, but did you watch any of it? Not really. It was a little bit too early. I, as I got on my bike on Sunday morning, I think I just caught the tail end of the, the females uh, and they were just talking to Jocelyn McCauley who had won the women's race. And I was trying to figure out what happened and some of you guys might have watched it live, but I believe that Tim O'Donnell accidentally knocked out the cable in Marinda Carfrey's oh, trainer. No. <laughs> so, so that eliminated her from the race. And, and that's the sort of stuff. That's the sort of stuff that's going to happen. You know, trainers aren't... They're, they're not. You're not comparing apples with apples. You had apples. one job, Tim. You had one <laughs> job. And so, um, Joss McCauley took out the women's race, and Patrick Langer took out the men's. Were there any stakes, or was it more just entertainment? It was more just entertainment, I believe. So, um, yeah. So, but but I do think that further down the track, if you got everybody in one room and you got trainers that were all, um, you know. F- consistently even then i think uh, that would be quite exciting to watch but when it's done remotely again it's just okay it's just so like, bright, bright like entertainment if you watch you know because like right now the formula one have done the racing cars a lot of racing car sports are, i think even horse racing did a, a virtual horse race i saw on the news the other night now i haven't watched any of them they don't necessarily that appeal to me because it's like it's a different skill but if any sport probably slightly more than triathlon could make this work as a spectator sport in something like Zwift, would they get much buy-in? Would many people watch it? Um, if they did it right, I think they would, um, because then you could get that inter- interactivity between uh, between the athletes and they can be doing sort of live comments, etc. But for me, it's not really even worth doing until you've got equipment that is equal across all people. So if everybody's on the same equipment, it's all been calibrated and it's accurate, then it's a fair fair game. Um, but at the moment, it's it's just not even fair, you know. I've got um, I've been using a different kicker, and uh, the difference between two kickers for me is can be as much as 
as 30 watts. Um, oh, really? So it's it's really significant across different um, different devices. Okay. Um, ITU have ex- suspended their season at least until the end of June, although probably going to be longer than that. Uh, no surprise here. No, so more more races keep getting canned. I don't think we need to go through the list. I just saw Tulsa, um, which was due for 31st of May. That's been cancelled for a year. So, yeah, ITU extended theirs out to the uh, end of June at least. John's got a, a title here. You know we're desperate for news when we're talking about athletes signing a sponsorship deal, but Frodo has gone to Hoka. Now, he was with Essex, wasn't he? He was, so I'm not sure if he moved by choice or if um, or if that just came to an end. Um, but uh, yeah, that's about that's about all I've got to say. Well, I, w- got, I wonder got if it's, it's to do with shoes, you know, because Hoka have now got their version of the Vaporfly. Mm. Have Essex? Do you know? Oh, no, you probably won't know the answer to this. Asics did have a prototype that I believe their pro athletes were were using. I'm not sure if it was available to the public yet or not. Um, But yeah, look, Frodo's the kind of guy that, of course, he's got a cash in on money, and I'm sure this is a good transaction for him. But at the same time, he's not going to go to a shoe company that's not going to be competitive as well. So uh, yeah, so he's gone to Frodo, um, gone to Hoka. Good times. That's this week's news, guys. That's how short things are happening in the triathlon world right now. So let's look at the discussion. So the discussion this week or last week was, what are you doing in lockdown and who is inspiring you out there? And John, do you want to go first? Colin Bielowski, um, the people with comorbidities that are having issues and or dying reaffirm my commitment to fitness because of all it does for us physically and mentally. Um, good old Dana, Dana, I'm going to say Koper has got, right before all this started, I hired a great coach, Daniela Mack. Uh, if it wasn't for her, I would have lost so much motivation by now. Um, Kim Lawrenson says she's doing 30 minutes a day on the wind trainer whilst the grandparents' babies sit the kids via the laptop. Nice work. This stops me from murdering them while solo parenting and still working from home. <laughs> Nick, uh, Nick Rose has got, along with Gavin Rogers, my athletes and fellow coaches are thinking outside the box and working to inspire, motivate and educate in this unprecedented time. Also, people's sense of humour with random videos and pick stuff that they keep them uh, that keep them all to themselves and their kids amused. Peter Coulson, he goes, uh, what he's getting inspired by is Instagram influencers that are under 25, female, hardly wearing clothing, with a perfectly framed photo and thorough lighting um, in the Barbie Toes pose. Nice work, Peter. It's a dangerous world, that is. Gavin Rogers, my athletes that I coach, weekly race nights and group rides on Zwift using uh, Discord discount to chat with them no with... Dis- discord that's what bevan you're not you're not up with it discord no. all, all the tom's on bloody discord every day it's sort of a, a, a messaging group. app is it yeah but also it's an audio app as well so oh, okay. it's um you could have you know 20 people signed up on discord and you can basically be talking as you go through a workout so okay, nice. somewhat similar to zoom except i think it might only be audio okay good stuff um, I'll go, this is for Kiwis, Jane Lachlan, Les Mills 9am classes on TV takes me back to the 1980s when I used to do aerobics. So plug out for that because they're doing, Bevan works for Les Mills, um, but they're also in New Zealand at 9 o'clock in the morning and I think 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there's Les Mills classes on TV. It's also on TVNZ On Demand for all you Kiwis. Um, and for oh, you guys, over, 
Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, so for you guys overseas, if you are looking for a resource where you can get some core, some yoga, you can do some other different classes, um, go to lesmillsondemand.com uh, and uh, it varies the price around the world, but really good resource if you're just looking for some core and some uh, some yoga, etc. The, the core workout, the CX, I think they're changing the name of it soon actually, but the CX workout is to me, is the greatest supplementary workout for endurance athletes. Mm. You know? And what what I say to quite a few of my athletes I coach is if your partner's into this, uh, maybe not into triathlon, but they're wanting to do some some sort of Jimmy type structured workouts at the moment, especially for the next month or so, sign up and you, it's something you can do together. Yeah, good times. Um, ben Cobra's got my mate Vlad, who I look up to in the athletes I coach. And last one I'll do, Greg McDermott, Zwift, Swift, and then Zwift again. Okay, good times. Uh, I'll go something good to finish with. The fact that you can now go cycling alone on empty roads, which would otherwise be jam-packed, is huge inspiration for me to get out there and train, which is a good point. It's fun, funny, though. Comments like that, which were made six days ago, may well be quite different now. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Jumbo? Um, in terms of for me, I'm just uh, enjoying everybody taking on little challenges and just getting onto, getting onto the bike group workouts and things like that. I, didn't, I, I never really thought they'd be, to be honest, that interesting. Um, but we, I've organised a bunch of uh, meetups on Zwift and it's kind of cool just riding along with other people. Um, so, but in terms of anybody inspiring do you, do you, me. Do you go, so, do you do it so it's interactive so you can talk to people while you're doing it? You can, yeah, we can message people. We're going to be increasing that as we go through. So you can message people as you're going but through. But do you actually do that? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, but it's all just via text. So once your finger starts to get too sweaty, then it starts to become a little bit less uh, yeah. frequent. And during races and stuff, it doesn't really happen. Um, but I haven't got any athletes or anybody like that that's specifically inspiring me. I'm just proud of our New Zealand Prime Minister that I didn't even vote for. But um, just See, compared- I voted for a John C. You're glad I did it, aren't you? <laughs> Comparing her leadership to what we see elsewhere in the world, is uh, it makes you pretty proud to be a Kiwi. Yeah, definitely. I tell you what, team, and I know we've got a global audience, but New Zealand just is showing a level of competency right now, which is pretty impressive. So, it's, you know, it's, it's obviously a scary time, but you can definitely be proud of how the Kiwis are handling it. John Bowie, this week's discussion. One other one I've got to say is we did have a negative Nancy on there that got me pretty angry last week. You did. And he was basically abusing people on our page. And he's I don't know if he still listens to the show or not. And I've got no problem with people disagreeing with our points whatsoever. But if, you get, if you're going to disagree with something... Be, be nice about it and put your point across, but don't be a dork and go around abusing people. Just an idiot. Just, well, you, wow. You called it, you, well, that, that may be a first <laughs> on the show. I don't think you've yeah. ever called a listener an idiot. Well, yeah, when you're calling people, uh, like poor old Kim Lawrence, and she put a comment on there that she's doing 30 minutes a day, and the person called her an asshole or a dickhead or something like that. And we, we totally understand that there's more to triathlon than, than all of us doing our training, etc. But for a lot of us, um, this is keeping us motivated, it's keeping us mentally sane, and uh, it'll mean that if we're same we're going to be nice to other people and that's one of the big messages just be nice to people i did a podcast yesterday on the four uh, keys to being successful for exercise over this period of time and just two quick points um i think with this so look for your you need you need a challenge i think it's really important like john's challenge of the 30 days 30 rides um i'm doing i've got to run 60ks a week i've got my runners all doing that type of stuff you need a challenge that you share with your world i think it's really important because that keeps up that kind of accountability and social connection with community you have to train hard 
And I think it's so important because I think what we're finding at this moment is, and I did an Instagram video post the other day just saying how, you know, a lot of people who are regular exercisers are going to a slack place with exercise right now. So exercise isn't actually delivering what they want. It's just they're ticking the box, but it's not actually giving you the buzz that that exercise provides at a really high level. Like when you know what it's like when you kill yourself in a workout, you you end of it. The world's gone and you're just in a really happy place, um, maybe a painful place, but in, in a really kind of satisfying, rewarding place. And so it's really important that each week, it doesn't have to be every session, but there needs to be those two or three sessions each week where you're a little bit scared, where you're going to be blitzing yourself, where you are really going to be pushing yourself. It's just so, so important. And then my, my, my third point was kind of around this idea of en- engaging other people taking on challenges as well because if you can mm. engage other people then even people who maybe aren't in our world so like with our running group we did a challenge and we did um 20ks 40ks 60ks the 40s and 60s are regular runners so we said to them you've got to run got to be done for our, our 20ks though and your people were like you can walk it you can jog it you just make it work and these people were getting engaged in something which maybe they wouldn't have done at this time. So I just think that right now, if you are listening to, especially if you're someone who is a regular exerciser, but you're just finding you're losing your mojo because you're just ticking boxes, but not necessarily getting what you need from exercise. My, my three points are, get a challenge that stimulates you that you share with your world. Make sure you have really challenging workouts in each week, and then be a leader of engaging that within your world. And I think that if you do that, you'll get through this time. Like I'm actually getting through this time. I think I'm going to come out the other side of this fitter, than what I was leading into it, which mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought that would have been the case. And the problem everybody's got is uh, you're thinking, I'm smoking my cycling right now, but so is everybody else. Yeah. Uh, so you may well lift your cycling level, but a lot of the people are going to lift their cycling level well, at the also, moment. I was, so. I was talking about my podcast, like, like I don't really run a huge amount nowadays. I kind of may do one run a week just more for, a, you know, just because I don't do the gym stuff on that day. And I'll, I'll admit, I'm 42 now. In the last period of my time, I've started to think, I'm definitely feeling age get me a little bit. Um, and so, you know, just like in my impact classes and stuff like that, like I'm still fine, but I've just felt that maybe that 5% drop in, you know, that comes with age. But to be honest, the way I've been running in the last couple of weeks is like, maybe there was just a myth, you know, mm-hmm. that, that actually when I've got time to train at a higher level. Now, sure, I'm probably not going to be what I was in my 20s, but I can still go out and smack it with my running. And, and, you know, that's with only two weeks of running underneath my belt. So there's just some discoveries in this time that you'll discover that if we hadn't have had this time, you probably wouldn't have discovered anyway. Exactly. You're not, you're not over the hill yet. Now, this week, I wanted to try to get some more content for people to be watching while they're on the trainers. So what is the best triathlon um, or moment in triathlon of all time that's available online? And we want you to copy and paste the links um, onto the Facebook page. Then we've all got a whole bunch of stuff we can watch uh, over the next couple of weeks. Porno sent me a text the other day saying Mike Pig was a legend. I think he was watching the World the World Championship in 1990 or 91. <laughs> 91 um, was a sprint finish. Yeah, it's a great race to go and watch. And did the pig win it? No, he didn't. No. Uh, let people go and watch that one. I won't do a spoiler there. I, I think I do Nin- know who won it. I do. I think 1991. Sure. Uh, 91 was the first official, wasn't it? No. Oh, 1989 okay. was the first official okay, in France. 1990 was in Orlando. And then 1991 was on the Gold Coast. It was... God, it was Gold Coast, yeah. But definitely go and watch the men's race of the 1991 World Champs. Nice, good times, rock and roll. Okay, so the best triathlon moment that you think is available to watch online is this week's discussion. John, three, two, one, Coaches, Coaches. Corner. Corner.
okay. So you've been epping. You're you're suddenly you're Mister Young Young Person on the phone. You you know you know about what's the, what's the app we talked about before with Thomas? Uh, Discord. You know, he's on TikTok every day doing his dances team, I tell you. <laughs> I haven't got to TikTok yet, um, but I have tried out most of the different apps that you can get. So I thought I'd give a quick summary of the different bike apps because, look, I totally appreciate that uh, all these apps cost money. Um, they're sort of 10 to 20 bucks US uh, a month. And for some people, if you're in a spot of financial challenge ahead, um, you may want to work through some of these and uh, you could actually probably get all the free trials back to back during the sort of lockdown period. So um, the other thing I would just say, I just uh, noticed a comment before on DC Rainmaker's um, Facebook page. He was doing a review on a tax trainer, um, which was one of their sort of more entry-level ones. It was only, I think, 399 US, and it's a smart trainer. And so a lot of the time people think they need to be spending, you know, one to $2,000 on a, a smart trainer, but he was reviewing that one and said for 399 it's bloody good value for money. It's not, uh, you don't get everything you get out of the, the high level smart trainers but yeah check that out but i would say at the moment it sounds like smart trainers are sold out worldwide and you won't get it but if you are thinking i really want one further down the track um check those out and the smart trainer is the way to go you know um it makes the workouts a lot better when you're actually getting that variation in terrain whenever you're riding on any of the apps i'm going to talk about so um if you do want to find out more and actually see how the apps work, um, there's three different channels on sort of YouTube that I would recommend you look at. Um, the GCN, which is a global cycling network, GP Llama and DC Rainmaker. All of those three sort of do um, different sort of reviews on, on different apps. So I'll start with Ruvi because that's uh, one that's come up in the last week because Ironman have done a partnership with Ruvi um, and that's what the pros were racing on last weekend. They, what, that, what I really like about Ruvi is you're riding on real roads. So they had over the weekend, they had the Boulder 70.3 race and somebody's gone out and videoed uh, the entire course. So you're basically riding the course and if you're on a smart trainer, it's going to simulate all the hills that you're going up and down as well. There's, there's, there's courses all over the world. We've got ones in Christchurch, we've got um, Hawaii, there's Roth, there's, just, there's maps all over the world where people have filmed the course you can ride with others you can do it as racing um, or you can just train on the course so what I really really like about Ruby is that it's real world and it kind of feels like you're actually outside um, and they do have I think it's a two-week free trial where you can ride any of the courses so if you do want to check out Boulder 70.3 go and check that one out um, the next one that I tried last week was called um, RGT and it's kind of a cross between Zwift and Ruby so you are riding on some famous um, roads around the world um, places like Mont Ventoux um, different passes uh, in different parts of the world but really really famous roads um, it is a virtual world where you are sort of a bit like Zwift but you are on actually a road that does exist so that's kind of cool the difference with RGT is you have um, you're kind of controlling it through your phone but you're then connecting your phone to another screen so whether that be a laptop whether it be a TV screen and one of the little things that I liked on that you can change all the different camera angles so you can kind of have your view that you'd have you can kind of have a view above like you're looking from a drone you can have a view that if you somebody was a different racer so you can try to change your cam camera angles and the 
other thing that I liked about it is when you're riding along and you're actually going around a corner, the, the screen was actually kind of tilting as if you were going around a corner rather than sort of staying straight up. So it's kind of a, a cross between real world stuff and, um, and Zwifting. Um, next one is Zwift, which is what most people are on. Um, <clears throat> they have a choice of riding on Watopia, which is sort of their main um, main planet that they started with. And then they have a course of the day, or they've just changed that to two courses of the day, which is split between riding in London, New York, Richmond, and Innsbruck. And all those courses are based on uh, either the UCI World Championship courses, and they just come up with lots of different circuits you can use. Um, the key difference with, with Zwift and what makes it uh, really good is just the scale and the number of people that are on there. So when you rock up to a race, uh, if you pick the right race, there might be several hundred people racing and in your particular grade, there might be you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people in your particular grade. Whereas if you go to some of the other apps and you want to do a race, there might be hardly any people there. Um, they're also really good at the gaming side of things, which I don't necessarily like that much um, in terms of you know you've got to work your way up through the levels and you get rewards as you go through it and um, they are really good at doing like KOMs and seeing do they, do they try to make more money from that John like you know like you look at iPhone apps what you do is you kind of get the app for free but then in the playing of the game they limit the game and then you pay a little bit more do they try to do that uh, not to my knowledge. I could okay. be wrong there. It's more you've got to keep riding to get the rewards. Okay. So, for example, they have a climb um, which mimics Alpe d'Huez, and you can't ride on that climb unless you're, I think it's at level 12 or something like that. Okay. Um, the other the other big advantage with Zwift is, is that if you want to do meetups and ride with other people, then you've got more people that are on that, that one particular platform. Yeah. And the cool thing about meetups, if any of you guys want to organise your own one with some friends, is you can um, click a box if you organize a meetup and just google search that and you'll be able to find out how to do it but if you click on keep everybody together um, then you can all ride around the course together doing a particular workout or just uh, riding along so that's what's cool about Zwift. Trainer Road you will have heard me talk about a lot in the past much more of a workout app where you're going on there and you go right I need to do a workout rather than just a sort of general conditioning ride and it's going to force you to, to ride particular wattages, which I really like. All the other apps that I've talked about, you can do that in there, but Trainer Road is kind of just a workout only. So does is, is Trainer Road have a visual stimulant kind of, you know, do you have roads? Like, well, I don't, I don't know what no, so Trainer Road, you've basically got a graph in front of you and you're following the graph. Okay. And, uh, and so it's really just focus on one thing. That being said, they have literally just introduced group workouts, and within the group workouts, um, you can uh, use the camera within your device. I think you've got to do it on a PC or Mac, not a not a, a tablet. Um, and then you can basically have your camera showing you, and if you've got your mates that you're riding with, they can have their cameras turned on, and that way you can interact with each other there and and sort of suffer through it. So Trainer Road, <clears throat> much more of a sort of a workout type session. Um, Kino Map was another one that I tried last week and again it's somewhat similar to Ruby when you're riding on real courses in different places around the world um, again I really liked it I did this little loop in France which was really cool the, the free trial only gives you limited access to a few clips um, and the, the thing that I didn't like about it is I did a lap of this course in France and then I had to go and choose to, to ride another one or I could have done the lap again but it wasn't 
continuous where I could have kept lapping. That could be my incompetence in terms of there may have been some setting where I could have just kept riding a lap, but when I did it, it kind of stopped when I finished the lap and I had to go and load something else. But again, then you can go and get that feeling of your riding and and exploring different parts of the world, which I really liked. Um, The other ones, uh, I've got Perf Pro, which I use as well. Great app if you're with others and you can set up uh, a multiple multiple of trainers in in one room and do workouts. You can ride lots of different courses. Um, It only works on PC, um, but the key difference compared to all the others is it is a um, one-off fee to purchase the, the download. And you don't have to keep paying a um, a subscription, which is which is great. And then the others that I maybe haven't tried, um, you've got Wahoo and Tax and all of the individual trainers. They will come with their own apps where you can control the trainer manually. Um, haven't tried Sufferfest. Um, haven't even heard of Vertigo uh, Virtue Go yet. Be Cool have a 30-day free trial, and um, I have ridden Be Cool a few years ago, and they've got a combination of many of the things that I've talked about in terms of real or virtual roads, and then there's another one called Full Gas that I haven't looked at, um, but I have got a link that Bevan will put in our show notes, which was from road.cc, and that had uh, a nice summary of all of the ones that I've talked about as well. So the question is, you're a tight <coughs> ass, you're not going to have more than one at one time, where do you spend your money? If I was spending money at the moment, I'd probably, and I was connected with other people, I'd probably go on Zwift because then you can do the the meetups and uh, and the racing. If I was, if it, when once lockdown all finishes and you just you know maybe using your trainer fairly infrequently, which is what you know for a lot of us Kiwis do, we can ride outside sort of year round. I'd probably lean towards Ruby because then I kind of feel you're riding on on real real roads. But if you do want that connectivity, riding with others, doing races where there are plenty of people, uh, Zwift is cool. What I would encourage people if they are regular Zwifters and uh, that's their sort of world is definitely go and try. Ruby when Ironman start announcing more of these um, course-based virtual races, um, but I think because I think you'll really enjoy it. Okay, well, there's a, no, I will put a link because the, the link John's talked about is quite thorough and it kind of gives you a breakdown of what each product provides, uh, price points, and so on. So, go to be honest, based on this, you'd say Be Cool is the best when you're price point and off-service offering. Mm. So yeah. yeah, so check it out. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. John, we've got an interview coming up with a man by the name of Patrick David. Um, a bit of a genius, John. A bit of a yes. brainiac. Yes, so we'll talk to Patrick right now, and you'll hear all about uh, how to utilize your performance in carbohydrates. There we go. Here is Patrick right now. Okay, guys, um, as we've recently just said, we've got Patrick Davitt on the show today. Uh, He's got a PhD. He's from the University of Sciences in Philadelphia. His research interests include energy metabolism, fats versus carbohydrates, and metabolic flexibility. He's uh, interested in ultra endurance events, wearable um, activities such as heart rate and sleep devices and also as I said earlier on I'll try to spit this out in one go uh, the recent research he was involved in was the effects of a single serving of slow absorption carbohydrate source on fuel utilization and performance in response to a sustained submaximal endurance run that's quite a mouthful so welcome <laughs> along to the show Patrick uh, thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Um, give, give us a bit of background on, on yourself um, before we sort of kick into things in terms of your sort of world of academia. 
Um, sure. So I, I did my uh, PhD at Rutgers University, and, and it was in nutritional physiology and biochemistry. Um, and I chose an advisor um, who specialized in exercise physiology. And then my research ended up looking at energy metabolism, a variety of different fitness testing and things like that. Um, and I got really into fat metabolism, you know, and by default, if you know about fat metabolism, you know about carbohydrate metabolism. And then from there, uh, I went up to University of Connecticut and I did a postdoctoral fellowship uh, with Dr. Jeff Volick, uh, specifically to work with him. And he's one of the world's leading experts on low carbohydrate ketogenic diets. Um, and then part of that postdoc was designing uh, the FASTER study, Fat Adapted Substrate Oxidation in Trained Endurance Runners. Um, which, you know, was a, a really novel study looking at, you know, uh, ultra runners, some triathletes, um, that had been following, you know, a long-term ketogenic diet, uh, as opposed to those that were following a traditional high carb. And we brought them in the lab and, um, made them run for three hours, muscle biopsies. Um, we tried an infusion aspect that didn't work and we won't get into that, but, um, you know, and from there, uh, my general research, you know, experience has still specialized in energy metabolism, blood lipids, blood glucose, dietary interventions. Um, but from that time at uh, University of Connecticut, I just I fell in love with uh, the field of ultra endurance. Um, I had been a runner most of my life. Uh, I dabbled a little bit in uh, triathlons, more of the sprints. And it just, I just took to it and I started, I ran my first 50 miler, uh, back in 2016. I did the dirty German in, right outside of Philadelphia. Uh, and then my research started gearing more and more towards, you know, the endurance community and, uh, a decent amount of low carb, but just understanding the different aspects of, of diet manipulation and how it affects fuel metabolism during different, you know, exercise bouts. You kind of asked, answered my second question here because it was what what was your athletic background? So uh, just to give us a little bit more about what you did around this. Did you, did you do the hundred miler and stuff like that? No. So I did a case study last uh, year on a gentleman out at Leadville 100, uh, and then that kind of gave me the bug. I didn't get into the lottery <laughs> this year, uh, but I signed up. I'm currently signed up. Who knows what's going to happen with this uh, pandemic? But I'm um, signed up for the Eastern States 100 mile run, which is out in Western Pennsylvania. So uh, that'll be my furthest distance. And then eventually on my bucket list is an Ironman, maybe in, in mm -hmm. 2020, maybe 2021. Um, mm. Those uh, ultra, for a lot of our listeners, you know, they're going to be triathletes, Ironman athletes. So I was watching um, the Leadville mountain bike, um, a clip on that the other day. So those ultras and stuff, some of them are really hard to get into, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. Now, what's interesting is, and maybe you gentlemen can attest to different races, but the race that I'm signed up for, the Eastern States 100, has over 20,000 feet of elevation gain, yeah. um, which I think is more than Western States. <laughs> so, Correct. you know, it, 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 there's not a huge, I just had to pay my money and there wasn't a big lottery and things like that. So it's interesting, the races that, that you see, but some of them are getting, you know, harder and harder and uh, but I, we're, we're seeing the population of ultra endurance athletes, you know, whether it's, you know, the Ironman triathlons, um, you know, I mean, you look at Ultraman, the double Ironmans. I mean, I think I looked up a DECA 
mm. a deck of Iron Man, and and people are just looking to do these global, you know, endurance feats, um, mm. and it's all age groups. So mm. now, um, what I thought was going to be really um, useful for you just to give a brief synopsis of is is we want to talk about the, the research study that you did because it looks really really interesting but for those that have never really read research papers or, or done any study at all in in the sciences can you maybe just give us a quick rundown of the, the sort of the considerations that you have to go through in terms of developing a study in terms of the ethics how you select participants how you make things randomized how you um how you try Try to remove your bias because I know that you know you come from a an area which is is quite focused on low carb high fat and you've got to try to remove any bias before you go in. So maybe just give us a quick synopsis of, of what what it takes to actually get a research paper off the ground. Sure. So it's a it's it's a wonderful thing to be able to explain that, especially for your listeners and and people who who come across hearing things saying, you know, should I eat this? Should I not eat this? This is the new fad and things like that. And, and, and the big question I always tell my students is, you know, back it up with data, you know, where did you get that information from? Um, but at the same time, you know, research can be something that's very simple. If you ask someone, you know, name a good, uh, you know, uh, pizzeria, and they say, you know, uh, Johnny's down the street. Well, in general, that that in of itself is they had to do some research in order to give that response. Mm. Um, but at the same time, to, to get more in, when you look at uh, how research uh, studies are designed, most of the ones that you're going to read, especially in the world of, of you know, like fit, anything related to fitness, body composition, stuff like that, uh, most of those are going to be laboratory based as opposed to, you know, field or real world, but most of the time we'll call it field uh, research, which you are seeing pop up a lot more. And that's where like last, last year I went out to Leadville uh, and I did a case study and that, that, that's a real world, you know, he's in the middle of his aid stations and he's, I'm just stopping him to draw a finger stick or uh, a questionnaire here, quick hop on the scale. I'm going to take a urine sample, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but most of the studies that we'll do will be laboratory based and, and the big word, uh, when it comes to laboratory research is control. You know, when you're in the laboratory, generally they are climate controlled. You're having people come in at the exact same time of day. The lighting is going to be the same. You're probably playing the same music station. You know, they're going to see the exact same people. It's the same, you know, uh, it's the same bike. It's the same uh, treadmill, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, and a lot of what we'll see is, what are we looking to study? So, so what's the question? Um, and you have two general different types. One is more of an, an observational type, you know, research study where you are looking to potentially, you know, modify a nutrition variant where we're giving, you know, a different carbohydrate product or amino acids or, you know, using a different, you know, pedal on a bike. Uh, mm -hmm. And we want to compare how those are different. When you look at studies like that, we're not necessarily looking to see does a does a does a subject perform better. So those aren't really performance based. So we're really observing the differences between the two, you know, interventions. And and sometimes it's an intervention versus a placebo where you only give them water or um, you know they're using the the shoes that they always use, and then you're trying to implement this um, you know like funky new shoe that you know that's on the market and then you just want to compare how does that affect 
their metabolism, their perception, their pain, their et cetera. What you then have other studies, and this is where the study I'm going to talk about, I, I, I did a little bit of both, is you have a performance aspect where you want to you know, give a specific nutritional intervention, whether it's you know, an aspect of their bike that you're modifying, um, you know, hey, arrow bars versus non-arrow bars. Mm. And then we want to do a time trial. So we're going to have, you have two different means of performance. Uh, I mean, you can look at like peak power output, you, stuff like that. But a lot of times you'll look at either a time to fatigue. So we're going to set you at, you know, we'll figure out your, let's say we're on the, the, the cycle ergometer. We'll have you go to your max power output and then we'll say 75% of that. We're going to dial you in there and we want to see how long you can sustain that power output. So mm -hmm. that would be sort of a time to fatigue. The other aspect would be more of a time trial where we have a specific distance we want to see how fast you can get there in which you're able, the subject is able to manipulate, you know, their speed or, you know, change gears, things like that to, mm -hmm. to finish that time, you know, distance in the shortest uh, time possible. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm not, I was just going to ask about trying to remove bias and doing randomization and things like that, um, whether you can make any comments on that. Sure. So, some of the best studies that you'll want to read will look at um, doing a crossover design. So they'll they'll have the same subject do intervention type A, and then they'll have them come in another time and they'll do intervention type B. So what you have there is not only inter-individual, so you're comparing between two different people, but you also have intra-individual. So you're comparing the intervention within the exact same person so mm -hmm. that that gets rid of you know let's say let's say I, we were looking at um you know uh, uh, let's say a carbohydrate uh and we we had john only you know consume the one and then we had bevan consume nothing and we mm -hmm. wanted to compare the differences well you know if you're evenly matched in your fitness level body composition we if we get enough of you we can make some comparisons, but the best thing that we would want to do would be to have both of you try both of the trials because now we're getting rid of all those confounding factors of, you know, height, weight, et cetera, because this, each group is the exact same person, if that makes sense. Exactly. When it comes, when it comes, bias is an interesting one. And I think this is where a lot of the bias comes from the interpretation of the results uh you know when you look at i mean data is data it's it's how are you interpreting that data um you know when i look at heart rate heart rate is an objective measure i i can't i can't give my i can give my opinion on that and try to persuade you to think differently about the results that i got and i think that's we could have an entire two-hour discussion <laughs> just about you know that um you know from a bias standpoint you know look at let's say sram versus shimano um you know which one is better and it's yeah. a, it's, it's well you're gonna have the people who are gonna say well obviously Shimano's better it's you know it's yeah. it's it was given from the gods yeah. uh, but and the other the other person's gonna say well no so you know it's interesting because a lot of the data that we collect for the most part, is objective. So there's really no bias. When it comes to nutritional intervention, there are things that you can try to do 
um, you know, we'll, we'll get into the study that I did. But when you when you look at trying to give different products, you know, are they different flavors? You know, were the subjects blinded? Uh, you then have double-blinded studies where not only the subjects don't know, but then the researchers themselves don't know which you know uh, product they're giving you. Uh, but unless it's in like a pill form or things like that, it, it's mm. it's it's hard to mask. Uh, I mean, it, if you're looking at two different general um, you know sugars, sure they they might be hard to distinguish. Um, but what we'll get into today, you know, the the super starch that I used in the study, it's a very different consistency mm. uh, than like a general you know, uh, glucose, sucrose, or maltodextrin. Um, but I, I, at the end of the day, I think a lot of the bias comes from an individual's interpretation uh, mm. in what the data is telling you. And that's, that, that's, it's really interesting because you'll have 10 people that will read the results of, of, of the research study, and then they're going to each write their own paper, and the the conclusions will be different in all of them <laughs> because it's, it's how they perceive, you know, based on their own personal opinion and bias and things like that, um, you know. And it's just one of those things where you then get into ethics of what you're doing in regards to analyzing the data, and you're publishing what you found, regardless of what that that data, data tells you, um, you know. So. And then b just getting back to subjects, that's also another big aspect. If you have an individual who says, well, I want to try this, you know, let's say we'll get into low carb, high fat, or I want to try this, this type of product, you know, you've got to think of context. Are you an individual who's at the elite level where, you know, every single workout that you do matters? Not that the, every workout doesn't matter for the, the the general you know individual who we can call weekend warriors or even someone who's very serious, but you know it doesn't have money on the line, um, so we're less likely. And then that's where the data that we collect, what subject pool did we pull from? Mm. Um, are we pulling and bringing in you know elite? you know, ultra runners versus elite, you know Ironman, you know athletes and and or are we just pulling people who are generally fit? And if they're generally fit, can we really translate this to someone at you know the elite level? And, and mm. there are some translations, but at the end of the day, that's where you probably just need an additional research study to look at that specific you know population. And a big part of that is also males versus females is not always the same either, uh, or often uh, not the same. So. No. No, absolutely. I mean, there's a very big difference in general, like just from an energy metabolism. Females tend to burn a lot more fat when they exercise at like a same relative intensity. Um, but when you look at post-exercise, they, they tend to, their metabolism tends to come back to baseline very, very quickly. So they do behave differently. And then obviously, you know, different times of the month, um, exercise at higher volumes tends to wash out a lot of the menstrual cycle, hormonal abnormalities, um, just because exercise is such a powerful uh, stressor. Um, but in general, the female population is extremely underrepresented uh, in you know the body of of research coming out. So it, it's one. It would be wonderful to see a lot more of that um, mm. coming out. So to tell us about your study, you know, what were you sort of hypothesizing? Um, who were your subjects, and and what were you actually doing? Yeah, so um, the 
I've always been really interested in obviously low carb, high fat. Um, I really got into endurance exercise, ultra endurance, things like that. Um, and then, you know, looking at the, the different products out there and what people are consuming and, and just looking at the general recommendations. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny not to go off on a tangent, but just having a PhD in nutrition and, and how complicated things can get when you're learning about it. But then <laughs> once, once it, it's funny because then once you learn enough, I find that it's for myself, it, it's almost come full circle where I, I almost want to think of things in a, in a more simplistic manner. It's, it's mm. think things shouldn't, you know, be this complicated. Um, so, but I'm always interested in looking at, Hey, what are people doing different ways that we can improve performance? But at the same time, how does it relate to their, you know, overall health, quality of life, you know, sociability, stuff like that. Um, so I came across this, this, this product, um, you know, generation, you can, uh, they have this product, which is, uh, called super starch. Um, you know, it's a, it's a hydrothermally, uh, modified, um, cornstarch where it behaves. It's, 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 I mean, there's a lot of, of data on it in the literature. Uh, and it has, it was very appealing because it was supposed to have this extremely slow absorption rate, but sit very well in the gut. Um, I know you've, you've done some interviews mm. where some, some people have talked about it. I know Krista Austin, um, you know, explained it pretty well, but it, it, it has a, a low, it's a very high molecular weight. So it's just, it, it, it's, it's nothing but glucose molecules and they're just all bound together, but you have these giant, giant molecules. Um, uh, and then it, which is a high molecular weight and then it has a low osmolality, meaning it sits in the, it, it, it sits very well in the gut. Um, but at the same time, it then takes a long time to be broken down. So I just wanted to see, given my interest in low carb, um, high fat and things like that and the ultra endurance community, uh, you know, how this product uh, sort of behaved. And one of the specialties uh, that I'll get into will be using stable isotope tracers. And I'll explain that in a, in, in a second um, to be able to actually track, hey, when you're, you know, drinking a shake what's actually happening with that shake. We can monitor your glucose and we can see that your glucose goes up and it goes down. But then I have a, there are, there's another method and, and a couple different methods, but we're able to then identify, are you actually burning, you know, the, the, the shake or the drink or the gel or whatever that you're consuming? Are you actually burning that? And how many grams per minute are you burning based on how much you actually took in? Mm. So, oh, good. No, you go ahead. Okay, so um, the the purpose of the study was, and and the title it's it's it should be out very soon uh, in 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 publication, but the title has been shortened. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but basically, what we wanted to do was, you know, compare. Hey, this is a super slow absorbed, but it sits well in the gut. Um, you know, carbohydrate source as opposed to a very fast absorbed um, carbohydrate glucose source. Uh, and then again, what I also did is I added a, a sort of a control condition, which was just a water group. Um, so that's another thing going back. Hey, if we're looking at these two products and we see, well, this product did this and this other product did this, you know, this one might be better than that. But suppose you didn't take it at all. It, mm -hmm. are, are either of those better than not consuming that product at all? So that's where you then will have like a control condition where, okay, well, if we only consumed water, 
is it still okay? You know, it, is it better to get any of the carbohydrate as opposed to just water? So you, you add sort of that control condition. Um, so we wanted to look, and and I duplicated a, a very similar. I did a three-hour treadmill run at a moderate intensity. Um, so the the there was ten male subjects. Again, I talk this underrepresented a female population, which I didn't recruit. Mm. Um, so I had 10 male subjects that were experienced, you know, ultra endurance athletes. Uh, they had to have completed at least a marathon. Many of them did 50 miles, hundred miles. We did have, uh, one Ironman and then a couple had done half Ironman, you know, a bunch of sprints and stuff like that. But in general, they're experienced ultra endurance athletes. Um, we, we brought them in and they, it was a randomized crossover. So each subject, so we had 10, 10 subjects, each one came in each, each of the three times. So they did this, the, the slow digestion, super starch, the fast digestion. We did, we, I used the maltodextrin, um, which is just a pure glucose. It gets absorbed. It's, it's one of the fastest absorbed, uh, carbohydrate, you know, uh, products that you can consume. And then I used water. So they consumed all three trials, uh, and it was separated by, you know, uh, about a week in between. So we brought them into the lab um, and we did baseline measurements. We can hook them up to a mask and measure indirect calorimetry, which measures your oxygen and carbon dioxide, which then gives us a ratio, which can tell us not only how many calories you're burning, but also where those calories are coming from, how many grams of fat, how many grams of carbohydrate make up your resting metabolism. So we'll do resting heart rate, blood pressure, stuff like that. Um, you know, get their height, get their weight. Uh, urine specific gravity, make sure they're hydrated. Uh, and if they're not hydrated, you just have them wait 15 minutes, drink a, drink some water, retest them, make sure that they're hydrated prior to doing the three hour bout. When you, um, had the, the three hours running with water only, I wonder, I was wondering, or you, you'll maybe go through that in your results and maybe a few explosions. Mm -hmm. Did you also, um, control what they were having for their sort of pre exercise meal as well? Yeah. So this is where I, I mentioned this. So this is where you get into, uh, you know, the, the nuances of research studies. Um, so I, what I did is you monitor, have them write down what they're eating, you know, like the day before that they're going to come in, make sure that they're always going to eat that when they come in for the subsequent two sessions, um, refrain from any vigorous exercise for at least 24 hours, no alcohol, um, you know, uh, and then this is where, depending on how controlled you want to get, do you want them to not consume any caffeine in the morning, things like that. Mm. Uh, there are pros and cons to, to studies that, all right, you can't, you can't drink any caffeine. You can't eat anything before you come into the lab. Um, you know, and, and the pro of that is, well, that's completely controlled. The con would be, well, if you take a, you know, let's, let's, let's say you take a, an athlete and you say, would you ever go out on a run, a ride, a swim or a race and not have your coffee in the morning? And if they say no, the idea would be, well, we kind of want you to test it, you know, the way that you normally would, as long as it doesn't affect your metabolism, you know, in the degree that we wanted to study. Um, so what we had them do is at least two hours before we gave them the option, if they wanted a very small um, snack, if that's what they normally did prior to a long run, then we had them do that. 
Um, we just had to make sure that it was only a couple hundred calories so that their metabolism was going to be back towards baseline when they came in. But we wanted to simulate what their real world was. Mm-hmm. And by having each subject do each trial, we just duplicated. So it's, hey, mm-hmm. if someone had an egg, you know, hey, I just love having an egg. I'll have an egg in like one piece of toast, um, you know, a couple hours before my run. Okay, well, do that. And then when you come in the next time, you're going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of it sort of accounts for, you know, any changes that that might intervene. Um, so it was at least two hours before they came in. Then they came in, we did all the resting measurements. We took a blood, you know, finger stick, uh, blood samples, put the mask on them to get resting metabolism. And then we gave them their sort of test, you know, shake. They either got 16 ounces of water, 16 ounces of a, fast absorbing, you know, uh, maltodextrin solution, which had 50 grams of carbohydrate. Um, and then the other time we gave them 50, a 16 ounce of 50 grams of the generation you can super starch. Um, and then after they finished it, you know, they had only, they had like, let's say five minutes to, to consume it. Um, 15 minutes after that, we put them on the treadmill and they had come in a prior to do a VO2 max test. Um, you're familiar with the VO2 yep. max on the treadmill. Yep. So, um, I use the Mascoot and Coots, which starts off at seven miles per hour. Uh, and then it just slowly increases the grade a little bit, uh, like two and a half percent, um, every, every two minutes. Uh, so we figured out their VO2 max, then we did a percentage of that. And there's a bunch of equations out there and we can confirm, hey, we want you to be at this relative intensity. So that's how we chose their speed. Um, and then they came in, we gave them the shake. 15 minutes later, they hopped on the treadmill and it was a fixed speed. And we wanted them to run for, you know, 180 minutes for three hours. Nice. <laughs> so for about every 30 minutes, you know, it was 30 minutes, 60, 90. But then I jumped up to 45 minutes. Uh, we went to 135 minutes and then at 180 minutes. So in total, there were seven time points, six time points within the actual exercise itself, um, where we were collecting the breath, we were collecting uh, RPE, ratings of perceived exertion for legs, for whole body. Uh, we were doing GI questionnaires. We were doing finger sticks, uh, looking at glucose, lactate, ketones, Um and, you know, we then had them hop off and then they had about two minutes. And then after that two minutes, so that was our steady state exercise. This is where I'm getting back. And what we wanted to do there is we would, we want to observe differences. If you go out in a controlled speed, you know, run, I put you on the treadmill, um, average speed was, you know, just, about, just over a little over a little under a 10 minute mile, um, if I put you at that, I'm just observing the differences when you take in these different carbohydrates. They then stepped off. They had about one to two minutes. Uh, you know, <clears throat> we weighed them. Then they hopped back on, and we put the treadmill at 110% of their VO2 max. So now we're calling in, and we were looking for more of a performance um, to see how long, time to fatigue, how long they can last. Um, and in general, after you run, the average distance was a little over 18 miles um, you know, they didn't last that long. It was only a couple of minutes when you do a <laughs> super maximal, uh, workload like that. And then we had them hop off and then we take again, post, uh, blood measurements, body weight and things like that. Now, the, 
the, the only thing I'll add, one more, uh, the specifics of this study were not just, hey, we want to look at your glucose, we want to see how your carbohydrate and fat metabolism is, and then eventually we want to look at your performance, but every time and at each 30-minute increment where I put the mask on them and was collecting how many calories they're burning, oxygen consumption, carbs, fats, at the back of the mixing chamber of the metabolic cart that I use, uh, you can attach a, a tube and a syringe, and I can draw off a breath sample into, you know, they're called vacutainers. So it's like a, a test tube. And then when I puncture it with the big syringe, the tube pulls in the air that they just breathed out. What I can do with that is I can send it away to get analyzed. I can then also send the drink that I gave them. I know how many grams of carbohydrate that I gave, and then I know from the mask how much carbon dioxide they produced. What I can also have is the breath sample gets sent to That can be analyzed for carbon dioxide. And what we can do is, not to get too, too specific into the science, but most carbons, everyone's familiar with the periodic table. When you look at carbon, you'll mm -hmm. see carbon 12. You know, it's it's the 12th atom, uh, 12th element or 12th element of the periodic table. So carbon 12, uh, we then have a stable isotope. So you have radioactive isotopes. So there's extra neutrons attached to those, you know, uh, atoms. So carbon 12 is the is the naturally occurring. It's it's all the carbons that you find in all the glucose, every diff, all the fat that you eat, stuff like that. Um, but we have this this naturally occurring isotope, which is think of it like a post-it. You know, you have a post-it that's that's a carbon 13, and about one percent of all the carbons you know in the universe are this specific carbon. It acts just like all the other carbons. So the glucose is still the glucose. It's just it has that post-it tag so that we're able to sort of track it. So if I know how much of those post-its were contained in the drink, you have glucose, which is you know a six carbon molecule. You then take that glucose, if it gets brought into the muscle and the muscle burns it, it's gonna show up as carbon dioxide. So we can look at the labeled post-its of those carbons in the breath and actually trace, hey, we gave you 50 grams of, 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 a, of a, a sugar, sugary drink beforehand in real time how how many grams like per minute are you burning throughout the three-hour treadmill run mm. and that was sort of a big novel approach of, of what i was interested in doing and that's that's a, a little bit of the background of some of the specialty type research that i do looking at stable isotope tracers because it, it gives you a means of not just understanding what performance was like and did, were you burning calories any different but you know it allows us to actually track you know are you actually burning you know if if you take a maltodextrin or you take a, a sucrose like a fast absorbing sugar and you bump pump it into the bloodstream is the muscle actually going to burn it at a fast rate or take a product like the super starch supposed to be absorbed extremely slowly well, let's confirm that with the, the blood glucose, but then we can also analyze in the breath, hey, is it showing up in the breath? Is your muscle burning it at a very slow rate? Do you still have any of it you know, available to burn at the end of a two-hour, three-hour treadmill run? And that's what we were looking to test. Nice. So two, two questions. Um, first one, during the three-hour um, sort of aerobic, feel fairly aerobic um, run, were they not consuming any of the, the product? And then obviously my second question is going to be, what results did we see? Right. So that was 
and and this gets at sort of the reasoning of of why I wanted to study this specific product and and this area of research that I'm interested in. Um, we only gave them that one single 50 gram bolus, um, which ended up being a little over like a 10% solution. But we gave them the 50 gram bolus that 15 minutes prior to the exercise, and they got no other calories for that three hour run. Mm. They were they could drink water ad libitum, so as much you know water as as they want, um, and then basically, any other questions from a, a method standpoint? No, no, that was it for methods. So I was just I'm just looking at my my tin of UCAN here to see. Uh, so that's probably a couple couple of scoops of UCAN, and that's all you're getting for three hours. Yeah. So depending on, um, I mean, they're 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 always coming out with different. If you look at the bars, uh, we gave them. So what I ended up using was um, a, the maltodextrin and the the super starch. I used a plain powder, so it's mm -hmm. unflavored. And mm -hmm. then I just used one of the. Uh, I just used an electrolyte lemon lime uh, packet. So mm -hmm. I fl I flavored the drinks. The drinks were identically flavored. Um, if you've ever had super, you know, everyone's had sugar water before. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it mixes. It's very sweet. Uh, you've ever had the the, the super starch? Uh, it, it's you know it, it's not really a simple sugar. It's a very complex carbohydrate, mm. uh, and it, and it tends to you know have a slightly different consistency than just like a basic sugar water, which mm -hmm. I guess it, it probably should because it behaves extremely different, which is what the study showed. Um, mm. So it's it's hard to mask exactly. The subjects didn't know which products they were consuming. Like they didn't know the name of anything. They didn't know. The carbohydrate, it's written into the informed consent. Hey, you're going to be consuming a product that has 50 grams of carbohydrate, stuff like that. But um, mm. it was only it was only after the study that, you know, we would have revealed um, what they liked because some people absolutely loved it and they wanted to know, hey, what did I take so I can go out and buy that? Mm. Um, so uh, from that standpoint, they only consumed the one and then they could drink water, you know, as much as they wanted throughout. Uh, so what we, what we hypothesized and what we saw was – you know, I expected to see a very stable blood glucose from the the super starch, and I expected to see a very you know rapid spike in blood glucose, um, you know, from the maltodextrin, and that and that's exactly what we saw. Uh, we saw you know almost immediately after consuming um, the fast absorbing you know uh, sugary beverage, their blood glucose you know spiked almost immediately so at the zero mark so we we measured blood again right before they hopped on the treadmill um and we saw that there was a huge spike in their blood glucose for um the fast absorbing you know group and then there was a, obviously you're giving them 50 grams of carbohydrate in the super starch um but we didn't see even remotely as high of a spike in the blood glucose so it went up a little bit and then what we were hoping and really expecting to see, if it's being absorbed slowly, it obviously shouldn't show up as fast and it should stay around, you know, or, or continue to stay elevated in the blood for a little bit longer. And that's what we saw. Um, so it maintained blood glucose extremely well for the entire three hours, uh, as opposed to the water group, which blood glucose just continually dropped the entire time because they had no calorie no calories in prior to that three hours <laughs> about um you know they didn't complain about that as much uh, which was nice uh, but you know in the fast absorbing maltodextrin group um you know 
on average, glucose shot up in pretty much every individual. It, it spiked right up, and then it immediately started coming crashing down. Uh, and then at about 60 minutes, an hour into their run, uh, the blood glucose in the fast-absorbing maltodextrin group was already back towards baseline, what it was prior. And then from there, after that one-hour mark, you know, it continued to drop. So blood glucose continued to go below what it was before they even started, you know, drinking, um, you know, the glucose, which plays to the general recommendations. I mean, they're recommending X amount of grams per hour, um, you know, but with, when you look at that, most of the time people aren't taking these fast absorbing sugars, you know, every hour they're taking them every 30 minutes or even every 15 to 20 minutes. Mm. Um, so what we showed was the superstarch provided an extremely stable and consistent, you know, supply into the bloodstream, which is then, you know, a consistent supply into the working muscle. And that was also confirmed in the breath analysis. So we call it exogenous. So from outside the body, um, so exogenous carbohydrate, you know, oxidation. So basically the burning of the actual dietary drink. And we showed a very similar response. The fast absorbing maltodextrin had a huge spike up and then a big drop in the blood glucose. Same way in the breath. It showed up to the muscle. The muscle started burning it very, very quickly. And then, you know, it started dropping off. And the muscle, you know, towards towards the end of the three hours that, you know, maltodextrin was pretty much completely absorbed. And then, you know, the muscle burned through whatever was available, which then gets at, well, you, you have to redose, you know, if you're consuming that fast absorbing. But what we showed in the breath with the super starch was the stable blood glucose, which is then providing a consistent supply to the muscle, which then gives you a consistent, you know, uh, appearance in the breath. So the muscle was consistently burning and had access to the glucose, the sugar from the, the super starch drink throughout the entire three hours. And we showed that we didn't collect the muscle. There was still some remaining at the end of the three hours, which is pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously there's no an analysis. We did analyze the breath of the water group, but that's just sort of a control to, to confirm that, Hey, you didn't give them any, uh, you know, carb, you didn't give them any isotope tracer, the post-it. So we just want to confirm that nothing is really showing up in, in, in the breath. So you had, um, well, I believe you had, you know, different athletes, some of them who were following a low carbohydrate, high fat diet, and some who were following a traditional, more, more traditional diet. Did you see much variation in how they responded to say the super starch, you know, did the, the low carb athletes respond heaps better? Um, or did the other group respond differently? Or was it not much difference between the two? So this is where we can get into the conversation. So I, I didn't specifically look to choose anyone who was low carb. Um, again, because it was a crossover design, if someone, I did have two, two subjects that were relatively low carb. Um, but w when the, when the published paper comes out, uh, I'm going to, you're going to see we're reporting all of the individual glucose data and all of the individual exogenous carb burning. So how much showed up in the breath. So you get to sort of see 
And what you see is individuals can act extremely different. And, and this will then get into maybe a little bit of our discussion of sort of the so what, what are the takeaways and recommendations. Uh, but in general, we, see, we saw ex- extremely similar patterns. Um, specifically between the low carb and high carb, I did not see you know, of like a difference in, wow, this person absorbed it much faster in, in the two that were slightly low carb. Um, it was, it was a little bit, you know, varied regardless of whether they were high carb or low carb. Some people are just, are going to absorb whatever carb you give them faster. Some are going to absorb it slower. And then others, whether it's a fitness, whether it's genetics, um, you know, whatever they're, even if you give them the same amount of glucose to their muscle, they're going to burn it slightly differently. Um, but this is where we had 10 subjects and what you want to look at is, Hey, when you get enough subjects, we want to look at the overall averages and, and in general, Mm -hmm. the, the, the patterns were extremely consistent between the super starch and the maltodextrin. Mm -hmm. So maltodextrin group, I don't think there was any subjects, and, you, and you, when we can see this specifically in the data, any subjects that, hey, they shot up more in the superstarch. So in general, whatever, if, if one person absorbed the superstarch a little bit faster than another person, both of those people absorbed the, the maltodextrin at an even higher rate. It's just mm-hmm. they were different between the individuals. But on average, the superstarch gets absorbed very slowly. It shows up consistently throughout the three hours in the blood and that shows up consistently to the muscle and then the muscle consistently is going to burn you know um you know that super starch as a fuel so so in terms of recommendations you know often for you know the standard more standard carbohydrate and traditional recommendations we've been given says you know take a or starting point is to do, do one gram of carbohydrate per kg of body weight per hour use that as a starting point and then you know start to work your way down if you need to or some people can even handle a little a little bit more so when it comes to super starch you know if i use myself and as, as an example when i did a half ironman simulation at the weekend um I'd normally consume around about 300 grams of carbohydrate, um, but what I did at the weekend was, you know, exclusively using UCAN. Um, I wasn't quite half of that, but I was around about 175 grams of um, of carbohydrate from UCAN spread throughout what was a sort of four and a half to five hour workout. So that was I was a little bit light on the run. Um, but you know, what 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 are your sort of recommendations in terms of starting points for people that are listening to this, thinking I want to give it a go? but I've got no idea how much of this product I actually need to take. Yeah, so that's a, that's a, a wonderful question and a, and a great talking point of, you know, what, what's the, the, the takeaway? Um, it, it did modify, I mean, by, by burning, by giving the muscle a lot more in the, in the, in the fast-absorbing maltodextrin, you're going to burn more carbohydrates. So we did show that the superstarch did allow for a greater fat oxidation. So you're able to burn more fat. It's not blunting that uh, fat burning capability, which you know it, it, you're going to burn a little bit less fat than if you didn't consume anything. But you, you know, we ultimately did did see that hey, we would like to maintain our blood glucose, and and carbohydrate tends to be our general friend, um, which you know depending on your eating pattern and stuff like that. But anyway, if you want to look at a general takeaway, we gave a 50 gram dose, which depending on the UCAN product, they have like, they have a couple protein ones, but if you're looking at just their pure 
Um, you know, uh, there's like a lemon one, a, an orange. Uh, they've got a bunch of those. That's about two scoops. Would 50, I think most of them are about 26 to 28 grams uh, per scoop in, mm -hmm. in like the pure carb one. So it will be about two scoops. And based on the results of the study, it would say that should that should easily last you about two hours. Mm. For most individuals, it it technically should have la it technically lasted them for three hours. Now the big caveat there, or the or the big, um, you know, follow up would be, okay, well, we ran them at on average 57% of their VO2 max, so 57% mm. of their max intensity, you know, so that's that's right in towards the higher end of moderate intensity. We're not really at vigorous intensity yet, you know, and you have to look at things like that. So intensity mm. is going to drive, uh, you know, a ton. So what distance are you running or biking or swimming? And then distance in general is going to dictate intensity, as well as your, you know, uh, like elite fitness status, the more fit you are, probably the higher intensity you're, you're going. But in general, um, you know, I, I would start at the 50 gram, you know, maybe two scoops and that should, that should get you for about two hours mm. before you might thinking, you might think about redosing. Now with mm -hmm. that, obviously in between that two hours, you know, you're obviously hopefully consuming, um, you know, you're hydrating with water, but then also potentially, you know, an electrolyte solution, um, you know, that can help tie you over to, you know, maintain your hydration and electrolyte balance. Um, and again, this is given the general intensity that we saw, hmm. there's a couple follow-ups of where we could go from there. So the idea would be, we don't really know, but we can speculate, Hey, if you're, you know, an individual who is going out at a much faster, you know, rate or a higher intensity, you're going to burn through that, you know, super starch at a faster rate, mm -hmm. which would then mean you'd either need to dose with a higher dose, um, which is something that I'm, you know, um, self-experimenting with like, mm -hmm. you know, a hundred grams, like 125 grams. Uh, so far I haven't, I haven't consumed any dose of this super starch and felt any ill effects um, in the gut, which is pretty remarkable. Um, mm. <clears throat> but in general, the more you the the more the fast the more carbohydrate you send to the muscle, the more the muscle is going to want to burn it. So mm. if and then if you're if the muscle is working at a higher intensity, it's going to want to be driven more by carbohydrate because it's a faster burning fuel. So you're going to burn through it faster if you're working out at a higher, you know, intensity. So uh, just a question, you just prompted me for another question there with regards to, to dosing yourself. So would, are you better to sort of sip away on product or are you better to take it um, in sort of more um, a burst fashion as in say maybe every half hour or every 45 minutes or does, does I know that I know you didn't do that in this research study but but what you've seen elsewhere yeah so part of what draws part of part of what the appeal is for me is you know the infrequent dosing that you don't have to depend um, I gave a talk uh, a couple months ago on on pro ketogenic diets for for athletes 
Um, and it was a debate. And I just asked the audience and there might have been, you know, a couple hundred people in the audience. And I, I you know, I, I just had said, raise your hand if anyone in here who is an athlete or coaches an athlete, raise your hand if you or your athletes enjoy consuming those gels and goos and, <laughs> you know, all of that sugar and not a single person raised their hand. And then one, you know, one guy randomly raised his hand. It's like, well, good for you. <laughs> Good for you, buddy, but I don't know. If that's... So I think part of the appeal is you don't have to just sip. You don't have to sit there and every 15 minutes, you know, because, hey, that whatever that goo, that, you know, sugar that I just drank or, or ate, man, it got into my blood immediately and then my muscle is taking it out immediately. So we don't have that dependence with a product like the Super Starch. The, kind of the, 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 the niche of it is it provides a stable blood glucose. So my recommendation of people wanting to try it would be, you know, especially initially, try it in the further spaced out. I mean, a minimum of 30 minutes. If not, try to go an hour, you know, before you're, you're redosing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think even if you said, hey, we're going to deal with the, the more elite guys who are burning through carb, you know, like it's rocket fuel, even if you give them a 60 gram an hour, you know, a gram a minute um, dose of super starch, I think the benefit would still be if you're taking in a maltodextrin or, you know, solution fast absorbing, you, you both can attest, you're not going to wait an hour. You're going to need to, you need to redose well before that re hour at even 15 minutes, 30 minutes. So I, I would say if you're going to try it, Hey, Try a 50 gram dose. Um, you know, heck, if you're going out on a more casual, longer run, try the 25 gram and wait at least an hour. If you try the 50 gram dose, wait at least an hour. I, I bet on your, especially if these are training runs, and we would always want you to practice this, you know, well in advance of an actual event. Um, but try to shoot for that two hours. <laughs> Feel it out. You know, one of the things that I'm starting to do more, you know, as someone who's a, a, a research scientist. Um, that works in the lab with subjects is self-experimentation. Mm. You know, try, try it out, see how you feel, especially if you're not someone dealing with, you know, uh, like an, an elite coach, or if you like, let's say both of you, if, if, if you're counseling athletes, you know, it's about experimentation and get their subjective feedback. We want to see how did you feel? Um, but I think you might want to try spacing it out a little bit further. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and I think that's where the sweet spot and that's, that's really the, the, the big niche of a product like this. Sweet. Awesome. So, um, any, any sort of other points that you want to make in terms of wrapping things up, any sort of practical tips you might have yourself, um, in terms of, you know, one of the challenges is always carrying the nutrition or, or any other sort of comments you've got, um, with regards to the study you did. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the, the study itself was wonderful. A lot of what we wanted to do was just document, uh, hey, there are other alternatives out there. I mean, I, I generally follow a lower carb, higher fat um, lifestyle. And, I, you know, the, the, the ultra endurance, you know, community, which includes, you know, Ironman triathletes, uh, I, we see a lot more people wanting to pursue that and experiment. And a lot of people are enjoying it you know there are some nuances and whether or not someone is following a well formulated you know lower carb high fat diet um 
But I think the big takeaway from the study was whether you are or are not following a low carb, high fat, you know, uh, ketogenic type diet. Um, I think a product like this kind of falls in the sweet spot of it can appeal to both. It, it can appeal essentially to everyone in the sense that, hey, if you're, um, you know, ketogenic or you're consuming 70% of your, you know, daily calories as carbohydrate, it, it's still a, it's still a wonderful product because it's so consistent, you know, and I, and again, the big takeaway is a lot of races are won and lost due to GI problems. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it just decreases the reliance on dosing. And, and I think a lot of the anecdotal um, evidence that for myself, when I he- talk to a lot of runners and, and, and cyclists and try anyone in that endurance community is they enjoy the freedom uh, that it gives them to not have to, you know, constantly worry about dosing, um, you know, and things like that. Mm. Awesome. I would love, love to talk science and stuff, and it's always good to to hear some well-constructed studies where you've got to do three, uh, three, three-hour three runs on a treadmill. So you must have had some very... <laughs> Um, some very nice uh, subjects there that agree, that agreed to that. Um, yeah, and if people want to follow you or find out a bit more about you, you know, what's uh, where can they do that? Uh, I mean, I, I'm always looking to you know chat with people, uh, answer questions, help people out. I do some coaching, uh, and I'm always looking to you know try and understand you know uh, latest products and and things that are out there to gain you know a cutting edge. Uh, but but you know at my my college email address, uh, pdavitt at usciences.edu is, is probably the best way to reach me. Uh, you know, phones are pretty much attached to the hip and <laughs> teaching and stuff like that. I, I'm always checking my email. Um, Great. But yeah, so. Awesome. Oh, no, we'll look all the very best for your uh, ultra coming up hopefully later in the year. And fingers crossed that happens for you. And um, yeah, we look forward to seeing this space continually evolve. So thanks very much for your time. Yeah, thanks for your time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I, I appreciate being on here and I appreciate the work that you, you guys do. You know, uh, you know, you're in the trenches yourselves, but, you know, really getting a lot of this information out there to, you know, the general public and, and allowing, you know, people like myself to sort of spell out the nuances and and the specifics and and what to look for so i really appreciate it right now okay jombo we are back we are doing this part of the show before we do the interview so we, we, you know what happened there hopefully it's a great interview and patrick provides a lot john we have got some you can little discounts we have indeed. So, guys, uh, use the promo code IMTALK if you're in the in the US. Go to generationucan.com. Canada Smart Performance uh, Nutrition.ca. Australia Generationucan.com.au. New Zealand Superstarch.co.nz. And UK, you guys get ten percent off at Generationucan.co.uk. So, all of those except for the UK, you get 15% off. Um, they have also launched a new website in the States, generationucam.com, um, and they have just modified some of their protein powders. So, they've launched three new protein enhanced powders. Um, all three have 20 grams 
of protein instead of the 10 grams in their existing lineup. Um, and they've got a few new products, cookies and cream with uh, whey protein. Some, I do love some cookies and cream, John. <laughs> yeah. It's a good flavor. <laughs> Chocolate with pea protein and cocoa with whey protein. So uh, I agree, those flavors tickle my fancy a little bit. Mm. Uh, they have also brought in uh, the UCAM Performance Energy and UCAM Workout Energy together to form one simple, clean product called UCAN Energy. So now that's really simple. They have UCAN Energy for fueling your efforts pre and during exercise, and UCAN Energy Plus Protein for your recovery. So, guys, get on it. I um I had my first little experiment at the weekend where I went 100% uh, UCAN, as you probably heard about in the interview we did with Patrick, and uh, it just keeps you nice and smooth all the way through uh, through the session and requires less intake and um, I'm sure we will have discussed all that with Patrick with the interview we've just done it's so just easy you know like post run post ride grab some of that energy plus protein just keeps it easy doesn't it? you know you're putting the right amount in it's good stuff okay John Generation You Can you can check it out all those links to the all different places remember the discount code is IMTALK John Wanger of the Week I might even I'm, right I'm sure I'm sure I'm not up there but I'm sure I'm on, am I on the list I'm back on Strava no won't make top 100 no <sighs> No, I got 92nd last week with 12 hours and 48 minutes of training. Oh, Adam Flipper no. Philby, you need to pick up your game. You're four minutes behind me. Rob Dallymore, eight minutes behind. Come on, boys, pick it up. Brent Chan, 11 minutes behind me. Literally, you got to do 12 hours to get in the top 100. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I probably did. How many hours did I do last week? I, pro- I probably did, oh, no, probably about 19 hours. Yeah, yep. no chance, no chance. Give no us a chance. number, 1 to 100, Bevan. I'm going to say, um, I was, was going to compare it to something that's probably not that good to compare it to, so I'm not going to use that number. I'm going to say the number three, because I see three people walking down the road in front of me right here. Rowan Williams. Oh, look at 28 hours. For four activities, what the hell is all that about? He does, must have done some serious, uh, some serious stuff going on there. So four activities for 28 hours. He's from... Okay, here we go, here we go. So he did, on the 5th, he did 185Ks. Then he did 161Ks the day before. 51 the day before that. 344Ks, John. That's probably... He rode the length of Taiwan. Yeah, that's impressive. Now, I know that when people hear this, they're going to be going... Got to be riding close to home. You can't be going f- uh, further afield than a couple of kilometres. Different story in Taiwan. As, as far as I understand it, they seem to be the country that's the best, most eh? on top of this, unbelievably so. They're not in lockdown. Schools are still in. I saw a little thing on the news the other day. So don't go giving Rowan a hard case. As long as he's abiding by the, the local rules, he absolutely smoked it. That is impressive. So it's a 12-hour and five-minute ride. He uh, managed to get 93 achievements on Strava. <laughs> so. Pretty pretty flat. Only had 981 metres of climbing across 344 k's. It's a beautiful place, Taiwan. I've been there probably 15 times. And it is a – it's a, it's like for training. The, the inner cities are quite busy, but once you get out of, out of the main cities, it's quite a lush kind of place. It's quite beautiful. Yes, he basically rode up the east coast of Taiwan on that 344 kilometres. That's impressive. Yeah. Longer than I've ever ridden. What's what's his name? Rowan Williams. Rowan Williams, you are the winger of the week. Love your work. Okay, John sponsors. Oh no, patrons. Patrons. We've got uh, Michael E. Segan, the meat muncher. 
Colette Coasting Andrews. We've got Mr. Big Robin Trotman. And we're going to round it up. We've got John, if you want to get sponsors. We have Generation UCAN. So remember to use the promo code IMTALK to get your discounts off all the different uh, sites we mentioned earlier on. Uh, get on it. Give it a trial. Obviously, at this time of the year, in some countries, there won't be shipping right now. Um, but if you get your orders up there, it gives you something to focus on when it all starts to, to get the wheels start moving again. If you want to get the show emailed to you, you go to www.imtalk.me. Down the bottom of the front page, just put your information in. If you want to be a patron, go to that same website and look for the patron area. Support the boys in what we do. Get some great coaching from coachjohnnewson.com. You can check out my podcast. As I was saying earlier, I've done a podcast, which is the four keys to being successful for exercise through this period. Um, you can check that out. I put that out yesterday. And other great content, age group of the week, cool websites, other feedback, imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, your goss. What's my goss, Bevan? I, as I said earlier in the show, did the did the half Ironman challenge at the weekend, and that was coming off pretty much hardly running in the last month. Just a few little half hour runs here or there with the kids, uh, especially over the last couple of weeks. And I decided to go and do a half Ironman, and uh, I didn't want to just tick the box, so to speak. Yep. So, and and so first five k, start. I think I started about five, just after five in the morning, and first k warm up. Then thought I'd just settle in. I wasn't really looking at my watch. It's going a little bit too quick for that five k. What did you do that in? Well, I was just sort of banging out four, just over four minute k's, okay, nice. which is not crazy fast. But when you haven't been doing any running, yeah. um, I had, had a bit of a sweat going. Jumped on the bike, and the plan on the bike was to ride uh, ninety kilometres at around about sort of Ironman effort, um, which I kind of did. Um, heart rate was sort of in the same sort of region as what I do in an Ironman. Rookie, rookie mistake. I'm not a super experienced Zwift rider yet chose a route that had uh, quite a bit of shingle and stuff on it and when you're on Zwift and shingle it slows you down quite a bit and oh I know really you, I know you can switch bikes if you really want to and jump on a mountain bike and and, and then you'll go quicker but I was just cursing because it's not that I was racing it but I kind of wanted to get it over and done with yeah. and so I was I was spewing uh did bang that out and then I thought I'll try to run 21Ks off the bike at my best case Ironman pace, which is going to be sort of three-hour marathon pace. Started off, this is okay, 7Ks, had a 7K circuit. Now the first 7K, quite a bit quicker than three-hour pace, thinking this is okay. Second 7K, going, legs are starting to fatigue a bit here, and towards the end of my second lap, my uh, hip flexor and knee was just completely giving out, and the third lap was a uh, run 1K, if if that, and then have a stretch. And oh, really? <laughs> it was ugly. So energy levels weren't too bad, but uh, my body was not ready for 26Ks of running, and uh, it was a real struggle to get through. And I have got some serious doms going on. So it was two days ago. Yesterday was the old struggle up the stairs, and today is not much better. Oh, that's the thing with running. You know, like when we did that I Am Talk camp years ago, <coughs> I managed to ride 180K, and I've held up pretty well. Mm. And I was fine the next day. But you, to go running, and you haven't done any running? Oh, mm. jeepers, creepers. Oh, absolutely yes. blitzes you. So this weekend they've, they've changed. It's just to do a uh, Olympic distance or 51.50 um, for the Ironman Challenge. So I'm going to do that as well. Um, but I'm just going to keep it at Ironman effort and hopefully I recover in time. Bevan, what's happening in your world? Well, it's just kind of a bit of Groundhog Day, but not in a bad way. I'm, just kind of, I'm, I'm getting a lot of work done. I am doing the run thing, so I'm running quite a lot. I'm, I'm enjoying running. I've got to a place where in literally in 10 days, um, I'm just enjoying, you know, I've, I know running such a good movement, isn't it? 
And to me, yeah. when you've got good music and a good location with running, and I'm, we're lucky we live in a good area, John. Mm-hmm. You know, like, geez, we're lucky we live in a good area because we've got plenty of good runs around us. The only thing is, they've kind of said, don't move your car at all unless you go to the supermarket now. Mm-hmm. Running down the hill as a warm-up is not good on the body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's the only thing that's maybe, so I'm getting the habit of biking down the hill to the start of my run. That's a good idea. I was about to suggest that. Yeah, because I tell you, it's, other than that, it's pretty killer. But other than that, John, just ticking over. Looking forward to getting to the other side of this, but who knows when that will be. Fingers crossed it's sooner more than later. But anyway, John, let's wrap it up because we've got to do this interview. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha.